Nabokov pledged himself young to the cause of simplicity. Not only The Russian Song, 1923, but many of the other early Russian poems express his love of simple, tender things. In one such still untranslated poem, also from 1923, the poet stops in at a little shop in Castile to find a magician presiding over the treasury of his extraordinary wares, but leaves the shop to look for a single simple word for human love. This commitment to simplicity was essential to Nabokov's sense of what poetry should be. In the 1920s he put himself firmly in the camp of those conservative modern poets who rejected the free verse chaotic forms and perilous leaps of sense of revolutionary poets such as Vladimir Mayakovsky, Boris Pasternak, and Ezra Pound. Thus in Russian the poets he admired were Nikolai Gumilyev, Ivan Bunyan, and Vladislav Kordisevich, who harked back to the tradition of Alexander Pushkin and Fyodor Tyukchev, both of whom Nabokov later translated. In English it was the Georgian poets whom he admitted as influences, especially Walter de la Mer and Rupert Brooke. It was their verse patterns, he tells us in Speak Memory, that were running about my room and all over me like tame mice, while he devoted himself to becoming a Russian poet as an undergraduate at Cambridge. In Nabokov's reviews of the 1920s, we can already find traces of his mature view of poetry as the mysteries of the irrational as perceived through rational words. His key words of praise are clear or intelligible, ponyatny and ochetlivye, pure, chistye, harmonious or well-structured, stroyny, correct, pravilnye, and perhaps most often, simple, prostje. In the opening of his first-ever review, published in Ruld on 17 December 1922, Nabokov passionately expresses the sentiment that informs all his criticism. In our black days, when countless hooligan poetasters torture the Russian muse, it is sweet to open a booklet of simple and intelligible verses. It is no objection to the poet in question that in him Nabokov finds the shadow of a somehow pleasing old-fashionedness. In another review, written nearly five years later on 31 August 1927, Nabokov praises another minor figure, whose quiet, modest poetry is, as it were, written not in emigration, but in a thicket of alder trees, in a miraculously unchanged leafy Russia, where there is no place for communist blockheads. By contrast, the poetry Nabokov disapproves of is marked by incorrect rhymes, rhythms, and accents, which he fastidiously quotes and identifies in each review, and vague or wild imagery. It is, in short, careless, nebreznye, verbose, monogoslovnye, illiterate, bezgramotnye, and incomprehensible, bezadvesvienye. No eighteenth-century stickler for poetic decorum could be more unbending than the young Nabokov of these reviews. A comparison can be made with T.S. Eliot's criticism from the 1920s, with its equally anxious defense on the very rules of taste that he, like Nabokov, was arguably infringing in his own art.
Like Eliot, Nabokov was also, however, quick to condemn poetry which, though correct, was boring, and, conversely, to recognize the value of poetic freedom. A full-scale attack on Pasternak's incomprehensibility is tempered by the clear acknowledgment of his talent with which the review begins. While in Vladislav Kodasevich, Nabokov identifies a wild, intelligent, shameless freedom plus correct, that is, in a certain sense, unfree rhythm. Even in Nabokov's earliest poems, an air of conventionality masks subtleties which would later unfold into those of his mature writing. The very first poem printed here, Music, written in that summer of 1914, when Nabokov first took to verse, may seem frigid and juvenile.